This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now on to today's episode. Today, podcast listeners, we have the founder of Jungle Scout with us, Greg Mercer. A few years ago, Greg was plugging away, working 35 hours a week on his own FBA store while working five hours a week at his engineering job. He realized how capital-intensive Amazon FBA was and thought there had to be a better model he could create. While doing this, Greg identified his pain point, realizing it was very hard to figure out the demand for products on Amazon, thus became Jungle Scout. Jungle Scout is currently used by over 52,000 Amazon sellers. It is a total product research solution that helps you come up with product ideas by filtering through Amazon's catalog and finding the items that meet your criteria. Basically, it provides all the information an Amazon seller needs to pick the perfect products. Research made easy. Today, we'll get into how Greg built a business of this size as rapidly as he has. Jungle Scout is now just over two years old. We'll talk about what he had to do to find a successful niche like this and how he scaled this rapid growth. With that, let me welcome Greg to the show. Hi, Greg. Chris, thanks for having me on, bud. I'm excited to be here. I know we're going to have a lot of fun today. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I hope so. So you're reporting from Mexico today. I am. I'm in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and it's nice. Uh, the past couple of months, I've been in cold weather, so I'm enjoying the sunshine and the warmth. <laughs> I think you're going to make some of the listeners jealous, man. We're going to jump into just who you are and how you became the entrepreneur you are today. So if you want to share a bit of that story, we'll start there. Absolutely. So if we rewind all the way back to when I was in college, I went to college to be a civil engineer. I got out, I had worked a corporate job as an engineer, didn't like it, always had this strong entrepreneurial drive my whole life, and that didn't fulfill it, and it was just boring. <laughs> so I started to sell on Amazon physical products um, as kind of like my way out of there. So I ran a, you know, an FBA business for a couple of years as a side hustle while I was working my corporate job. And then um, from there, I don't know if I got a little bored with it or just kind of like spotted this opportunity. Um, or I, I guess it was a mixture of a few different reasons why I uh, wanted something else. But then I started a software company, uh, which is Jungle Scout. Uh, Jungle Scout is a product research solution for Amazon sellers. Mm -hmm. And then that's uh, a little over two years old now, I think. And then um, since then, we've expanded into a suite of tools for Amazon sellers to help them do everything from product research to uh, follow up with customers, to get feedback or reviews, uh, to split test their listings. Um, so now we have four different software tools, um, which, like I said, have turned into a suite of tools for Amazon sellers. Excellent, man. And so I want to go back a little bit. And your transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, You so you started your FBA business as a side hustle, and then you kind of got to the point where I think you were working – the majority of your time on the FBA business and very little time as an engineer. So that transition for you, was that difficult or was it easy and how did you manage that? Yeah, good question. So you're absolutely right. I was like the worst employee ever. <laughs> uh, I was, I can't believe they didn't fire me before I quit because, um, man, I just like, just like, uh, I was like so passionate about like the entrepreneurial thing. Right. So I was like, I couldn't think about my job anymore at all. I was like sitting at work, um, just like working on my own stuff all the time, just doing like the very bare minimum for my company. I feel kind of bad about it looking back, but that's the truth. Um, and then, 
I was working hard in nights and weekends too. Like I remember I'd work out on it quite a bit, like during the day, you know, like at my corporate job, I'd come home, I like, I'd have dinner with my wife and I'd usually like stay up late that night too, like get back on the computer eight or nine at night, stay up to like, you know, midnight, 1am. Um, and then I had to get up and go work the next morning. So I definitely like those, those transition years were probably like some of the hardest years I've ever worked in my whole life. Just like, I wanted it so bad. Um, so you know, I guess it was looking back, like kind of tough on how many like hours and how I was working, how little sleep I was getting. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, I was so passionate about it. I guess I didn't really care that much. It was worth it to me. Very cool. So you went from a position, you know, I think four or five years ago, you were, you're still working hard on that FBA business. And, and then you created Jungle Scout and it experienced quite a bit of rapid growth. And now you're to the point where you have over 50,000 customers now and you've created kind of a movement or, or built, definitely built a tribe for Jungle, Jungle Scout. How is that transition for you personally? You go from employee to entrepreneur, working really hard, and then all of a sudden now you have this, this clientele of over 50,000 people. Has that been a challenge for you or, or was it just kind of natural? Um, yeah, I wouldn't really say a, a challenge. Like we've, you know, me and my whole team have like worked really hard to kind of like get where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, looking back, like, uh, like it's definitely like lots of hard work, but at the same time, like it's been fun. Like this is like what I'm so passionate about. So, um, uh, I wouldn't really look back and think of it as, I don't know. I guess it's kind of silly to say because, like, it was definitely like, so much like hard work, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, man, just like really just enjoyed the ride so much that it, it's crazy how fast we've grown in such a short amount of time. To think back at like two years ago, it was just me like a one man show. I think now there's like 24, 25 people on the Jungle Scout team. Um, but I guess when like when you're in it every day without like sitting down with people like you and like reflecting back on it, it's um, you just gotta get caught up in the day to day things, right? You don't really realize like how quickly it's grown. Good point. I find myself doing that too. Like I focus so much on the future or what's going on in the moment that I forget about the past and what happened a couple of years ago or even maybe last week or yesterday. So what inspires you about Jungle Scout? Um, there's a lot in that inspires me. Um, first of all, just like, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about just like the whole like Amazon space, you know, like I started out as a seller in the Amazon space. Um, you know, like I sleep, eat, live, breathe, die, like the whole like Amazon thing right now, like, you know, in tune with what's going on in the news and everything else, because I'm still selling physical products as well as a whole software suite of tools around Amazon now. So I'm really passionate about it. Um, probably like the engineer in me is really passionate about being like data driven um, and having like the best like data. So we offer a lot of things like no one else does in the industry, like correlations on um, how much any product on Amazon is selling. We have like really uh, powerful like seasonality data and just like all these like key metrics that Amazon sellers need to know uh, to make like data driven decisions in their business. So I'm really passionate about that. And I'm also really passionate about just like our uh, customer base and like our tribe, as you called it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's so cool to like go to like conferences and like meet with these people or just do like the webinars and everything else. And um, to have like this group of like passionate followers, you know, that like are huge jungle scout fans. It's so fun, like talking to those people. Um, so it is like days that like I'm discouraged or burnt out. 
um, you know, like reading some of these emails about like how our tool has like really helped someone's business or that like they really appreciate all the content we put out. Those are the things that kind of like, you know, keep me motivated. Very cool. I want to go back to your, the thought process of when you were selling on FBA and you realized how capital intensive it was and you thought to yourself, you know, I need to create something that helps these FBA sellers. And then thus came the idea of Jungle Scout. What was that like for you? And it wasn't an epiphany or aha moment or did it just kind of, kind of come casually or, or how'd that pan out? Uh, I maybe a little bit of an aha moment. Um, yeah. So, like, uh, you know, this was a major pain point of mine. So, yeah. um, for those of the people who aren't uh, very familiar with selling on Amazon, it, it's not really like that difficult of a business model. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's fairly straightforward. And then the way you grow these like Amazon businesses is to launch more products because any one particular product. Um, only there's only so many people searching every month, like looking to buy it on Amazon. So once you kind of like max out the um, you know, the amount of demand for that product, the way you grow is to launch more products. So what, you know, I kind of like realized that early on. And then the pain point for me was like, okay, how do I know like which products are going to be the most profitable, which products are going to have like good demand, yet a, a small amount of competition. Um, and again, I guess being like the data geek that I was, I was like, okay, I want to analyze like every product on Amazon, you know, but there's like a hundred million of them mm -hmm. and find out like which one, which few products are these best opportunities. And then, so that's really how Jungle Scout was born. That's really cool. Some of the tactics that you're using these days to grow is uh, you're very heavy on content marketing. And can you tell us why why you chose content marketing and, and how it's working out for you? And maybe a couple tips that listeners could benefit from that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, uh, I think I almost found content marketing uh, by accident. So I'd be lying to you if I said like I really knew what I was doing with marketing when I started Jungle Scout. <laughs> <laughs> I essentially just had like no idea what I was doing, right? I was just like an Amazon seller. I didn't really know about uh, digital marketing. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about software. Um, so at the time, like, you know, looking at all the different types of marketing channels, it's like, okay, like I can write some stuff about Amazon. Like I'm pretty knowledgeable about it. And then I also found that people just like in the space were interested in like hearing from me because I had a pretty successful Amazon business. Um, so we initially, I initially started contact marketing like just by accident because I didn't really know anything else to do to help get the word out about Jungle Scout. Um, but today it's a much more like refined process now that we have a team and now that I know so much more than I did back then. Um, so some of the things that like are work that work really well for us are webinars. We do about like between two and four webinars uh, per month. Um, so we drive paid traffic to them um, as well as do them with other influencers in the space, which helps us um, uh, kind of advertise to their audiences as well. So that works really well for us. Um, we've done um, one really big case study last year, and then we're doing one another really big case study this year. So we'll we launch a product from inception all the way to like optimizing the listing and increasing sales. And in the Amazon space, everyone's like really secretive about which products they sell mm -hmm. um, for a good reason. So we're like the only person who's ever like publicly shown like, okay, this is our product. We launched uh, it was like bamboo marshmallow sticks. Um, so <laughs> So this case study was extremely successful um, because people were actually able to uh, look at the product as we were launching it. Like you can go right now and search bamboo marshmallow sticks. Ours are called jungle sticks. Uh, they're usually like the, on the top few spots there. Um, 
So uh, that's worked really well for us. Um, and then we've also kind of doubled down on, we write like really high quality blog posts every week and we're putting a lot of time and effort into our YouTube channel now. So we found that um, just lots of like really high quality free content is what's helping us like drive traffic to our site and drive signups. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what we're doing and is what's working well for us. Hey, you're, you're still writing a lot of the blog posts. Is that correct? Yeah, I still write, um, a, a couple, two or three a month, I'd say. Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, we focus, I think at the beginning we were trying to, uh, do more blog posts, but they probably like weren't as in high quality mm-hmm. as high quality. Now we're probably doing a few less, but like really high quality content. So like now all of our stuff gets lots of shares because it, it'll be like the Bible of um, pay per click, you know, on Amazon or um, some of the other like really in depth, really long stuff. And then people want to like bookmark it and share it and be like, okay, this is like the go to resource for this particular aspect. Mm-hmm. Okay, very cool. And so another thing that you did that I found really interesting, I actually use this too. You use a PS and emails asking for referrals. And could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, what we do, this is pretty cool. I forget. Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't come up with this myself. I stole it from someone else, but it works really <laughs> well. Um, but what we do is we'll offer an incentive. Um, you know, I think, <laughs> I forget who calls it an ethical bribe, but that's what it is. So we'll give you like <laughs> a, uh, another really high quality like ebook that you can't get anywhere else except in our emails. Um, if you'll like forward one of our emails to three of your friends. So you can create a link in an email that opens up a new window that already has like the subject line and body completed, as well as a BCC, which ha- will have like, which will be like secretgift.jungloscout.com. Mm-hmm. So someone can click that link in your PS. It opens a window that the body's already filled out, the subject's already filled out, and it already BCCs us. All you have to do is put in three of like your uh, friends' email addresses, hit send, and then from that BCC email address, it automatically – it's like an out-of-office reply. So it automatically replies back to your email and gives you that free um, uh, ethical bribe. You know what I mean? Nice. So this works really well for like help getting our customers to help spread the word. They get a free piece of content, which they really like. Um, and yeah, it's something that you know only takes a few hours to set up, and then it's evergreen. Wow, very cool. Have you gotten a lot of customers from that method? Uh, we definitely get a lot of shares every day. I think okay. like um, we'll get between like 20 or 30 people who take advantage of that every day, and they have to send it to three people. So let's nice. just say like you know 80 mm-hmm. or 100 people. They send it to 80 or 100 people every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't looked in a long time like how many of those end up being customers, but it definitely helps us spread the word without it. And you know it, it doesn't cost any money after you get it set up, which is really nice, a cost-effective way of yeah. marketing. That's really cool. So, Greg, why did Jungle Scout succeed when 99% of the software companies fail? Ooh, really good question. Um, I think I would be lying to you if I didn't say there was a little bit of luck involved. Um, You know, like looking back, the timing of um, when it was released was so critical. Um, So that was one thing. You know, we got in right at the ground floor of when uh, the Amazon opportunity was really starting to blossom and become uh, a lot of people were uh, learning about it and starting to sell on Amazon. So that was really good. Um, I think we offered 
really key pieces of information that no one else was able to because of uh, kind of like the data analytics side of it. Um, that was one of the keys to the success. Um, and besides that, I mean, I think a lot of it was just like pure determination and hustle, not only, you know, from me, but just like everyone else on our team, like how hard uh, everyone's worked on it, on everything we've done. So I think those are a few of the, uh, the things that kind of led to our success. Um, you know, it's so hard to know for sure, but I, I, I try to do this like, kind of like look back on this fairly often, right? Because it's like now we have like who knows how many competitors, 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 competitors, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like why are we? Why do we have like 95% of the market, you know, where so many other guys only like have like a small share of it? Um, and yeah, some of those things I just named right there I think are some of the key reasons. I think coming in first, you know, being the first one in a market is huge too. Because you become the go-to and the the you know the 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 name brand that everybody looks to. Um, so that absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. You know, like some of our marketers, <laughs> some of our excuse me, some of our uh, competitors will use like in their marketing material. You know, like uh, whatever, better than Jungle Scouts. I guess that's kind of a good <laughs> thing. Like when everyone else is always trying to compare their software to yours. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's the same um, idea that I think Donald Trump uses, that even negative PR is still PR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, what I was going to say, too. Yeah, a good friend of mine, and this is exactly what you did, Greg. A good friend of mine, Paul Levine, he did a uh, workshop for us at the house a couple months ago. And he said he said his number one uh, recommendation for advice is to create a business that makes other people a lot of money. And I think that's kind of something that you definitely – done with jungle scout for sure so we're going to talk a little bit about i know you're a believer in the law of reciprocity and you've used that to help grow jungle scout can you give some stories or tips on how you did that yeah absolutely so um I do a fair amount of like podcasts with uh, people just like you, Chris, um, and as well as webinars and just other types of things. And a lot of people say like, I think a lot of like outsiders looking in are like almost think of it as like kind of like luck, you know, like oh you're so lucky though because you got on this podcast and I get you so much exposure, you got on this one and that one. Um, but the truth of it is it like normally it takes a lot of work to build those relationships to be able um, to connect with these influential people, you know, because yeah. they have a large following. Um, you know, I'm sure they get hundreds of requests every month or whatever to, you know, everyone would love to get on someone's podcast for free and, you know, be able to get the word out about like their particular product or brand. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge believer in the law of reciprocity and to build these relationships, I always think of it as like give value first. So before I'll even ask like anyone for anything, um, I see like what I can do to help them. Um, and some easy things to do that are like very helpful are like leaving people reviews, you know, leaving reviews in the iTunes store, leaving them reviews like on Amazon. Maybe they have a book out, leave reviews anywhere like their books publish. Um, that's something that is tremendously helpful for them. It's something like that money can't buy, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, um, you know, like you need like natural real people leaving you reviews on things. So that's something that's really helpful. Um, and then maybe I can help them out by, uh, giving them an introduction to someone else in the industry. Maybe I can help them out by, um, giving them tips on their Amazon products or their particular site or, um, uh, yeah, just something like that. So 
I always try to like cultivate these relationships and build relationships with people by always giving value first. And then if uh, we look back at the law of reciprocity, it states that like people uh, almost feel obligated to return the favor to you if you're just like a really nice person um, or if you're always, if you're doing like acts of kindness towards them, you know? So it's like, okay, like this guy, you know, for the past three months has sent me something every month. Like that's tremendously helpful to me. You know, I found huge value in it. Um, and then after I do that, we kind of have a relationship and they almost feel obligated to be like, Hey man, why don't you come on my podcast show and, uh, you know, do an interview with me or whatever. Um, and I never even had to ask. They just subconsciously almost feel like obligated to do so. Yeah. Great point. A fellow friend that I did you meet Dave Aaron's down in Rio when we were there? No, I don't think I did. Dave was he st- he came to the dcx rio and in focus 55 but he would always tell us and he would say this over and over uh, value add value add value add sell value add value add value add sell you know and so you're given three value adds at least before then you pitch somebody to sell them to close them on the deal and also somebody who's really good at um uh, giving before they ask is michael smith and he's incredibly uh, good at just supporting anybody's effort or movement or a project or whatever they're working on. And he re- actually rarely asks for that in return. But when he does, there's, there's tons of people that are willing to help him. And he just, just a few days ago launched a book and, and it hit number one on Amazon because so many people were either buying his book or downloading his book and, and giving nice. reviews from it. So it yeah, works, I've- man. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like we said, I mean, it takes like work, though. I think that's like where a lot of people, um, you know, aren't willing to do it is because it does take work, right? To like yeah. think, you know, look someone up and figure out, okay, like how can I help this person? Like I want it to be like really high quality, something that's like really helpful for them. It takes time and work, but um, that's what you, kind of what you have to do, right? <laughs> well, you're a numbers guy. I'm curious. Have you ever measured um, how much time you spend on? giving or supporting other people or reaching out to other people before in your own business with jungle scout yeah it's hard to say for sure but um like pretty like influential people that like i would love to like really connect with like sometimes i'll spend like two or three hours uh kind of like researching like what i can do to help them doing that thing to help them composing the email you know so Mm. um yeah, I mean, I'll spend like a lot of time on it. And then I think it really shows in the email that like, wow, you know, this guy did this, this and this for me. He's not even asked for anything in return. Like that's pretty, pretty nice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it says a lot about the person too, that they're willing to invest that much time and, and energy of their own life into helping out other people, which is pretty incredible. Okay, Greg, I want to jump into how you decided to make uh, or create pricing for Jungle Scout. Because you've said before that most people do pricing based on a guess or they'll follow their competitors. And you have some really good questions that I remember you mentioning at a conference for people. And so if we can kind of go through and, and get some tips on, on how you price and the questions you ask yourself before you price. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start by saying like pricing is extremely difficult. It's like when I first started, I had no idea what to price my stuff at, right? Um, you can kind of look at competitors, like, uh, but I love what I've learned about most competitors is they're just guessing too. Like no one really, like it's such a difficult thing to price it, right? So um, I have to give full credit to uh, Patrick Campbell from Price Intelligently for this, but he taught me about some really good questions that you can ask um, potential customers to come up with a pricing structure. So, um, and this is like changed my world since I've learned this. It's like so much easier to like accurately price things for 
um, uh, you know, maximum amount of revenue uh, to gain from it. So the questions that he recommends you ask are, um, so there's four of them. The, it would be, uh, at what price would this be like too inexpensive that you wouldn't be willing to trust it anymore? Mm-hmm. Uh, at what price would this be a good deal? Um, at what price would it be kind of high, but you'd still consider purchasing it? And what price would it be too high that there's no way you'd consider it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So he asked those four questions instead of just like, what do you think I should price this at? Because you can get like much better data from this. So by asking, say like a hundred people, those four questions, then what you can do is you can create like really good, um, lines to say like, okay, like at, um, what percentage, like at this particular price, what percentage of people would this be like too inexpensive? They wouldn't trust it. Uh, would it be a good deal? You know, getting kind of expensive or way too expensive. Mm-hmm. And then from those, it's it's kind of hard to say it over the, the voice call here, but um, you can create a really cool graph that shows like the exact uh, price, kind of like price tier, the inflection point of how you should price your products. Right. So since like doing this, we've really been able to dial in price and we found that uh, some of our stuff was priced too high, other stuff was priced too low. Um, and then, so we've kind of like dialed it in that should be like right on the money now of like uh, what's able to like generate the most revenue, but also, you know, that people are finding a really good deal. They're willing to sign up for it. So how'd you go about asking or, or taking this as a survey or asking people, did you just send it out in an email to clients or ask people you knew or how'd that work out? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I didn't know this at, uh, day one. Um, I learned this like later on. So we've always had like a list of people that we could email and ask those questions. Um, so they were like already customers of ours. However, if you don't have an email list, like I actually, um, emailed it out for a friend of mine just like a few weeks ago, just like a few hundred of our customers because he's starting like an Amazon uh, SaaS product. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could maybe ask someone else a favor to send it out to a few hundred people on their email list. Um, I've even seen, uh, you could even uh, probably post something like this in a Facebook group. Good idea. Um, because people are, you know, like, so if you're, uh, whatever, selling yoga mats, you know, you could find a yoga uh, Facebook group, you could post it in there as like a question. Um, so there's different ways you can get responses, you know, even if you don't have an email list. And what would happen or what would you do, Greg, if you found out that the the perfect price point was had too low of margins and you couldn't make a profit on it? Uh, to be honest, I'd probably ditch it and try to... <laughs> try to adjust, uh, the, the product to add more value or, um, yeah, I'd probably just look at ways I could add more value to the product or go with a different idea. Yeah. Okay. My friend, any other tips or tricks or hacks that you'd like to add for, uh, Amazon sellers that are out there and just plugging away and they're working hard on their business, trying to grow, grow their FBA business, any must do advice that you could give those guys must do advice for people working their amazon business yeah um let me think here um we can talk i can talk real quick about like for helping uh fba sellers um so like we said like if you have like one product on amazon you probably already kind of know everything you need to know for like launching a successful products like i said it's like it's not very difficult to do 
Um, the main thing that's stopping most of these people for, from growing their FBA businesses is cash. Mm-hmm. And like when I was like, uh, we'll say like I had more like of, a, more of an immature uh, mindset about business, I would always think like, okay, I can only grow as much as like kind of like my cash will let me. Mm-hmm. But as like my business sense has kind of grown, um, I, I'm now more of a believer in like leveraging other people's money to help you make money. Mm-hmm. So now like there's a few different ways that you can get people to fund your products for we'll say like um at like a 10 percent interest rate um so there's like a couple of websites that do it one's called like i think like upfund others uh, doing the dc doing it called um I, it's i, I don't want to say it wrong i think it's amz uh Lend- no, 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 no amz lenders mm-hmm Okay, that, yeah, that's correct. AMZ lenders, so they'll lend you money for your Amazon products. So I'd say, like, if you're working with your Amazon business and the reason you already have all the know-how and you can't grow it anymore, I, if I was you, I would look into a borrowing money at relatively low interest rates, if it's, like, 10%, because you can get, like, 100% ROI on some of these products you're selling. You know, so, like, if you're selling a product um, uh, in the cycle from ordering to you sell out, it's, like, four months. If you're borrowing the money at 10%, it's, like, okay, that only... It costs you three or four percent uh, in interest, yet you're making like a hundred percent ROI on these products. You know, it's like if you look at it that way, it's a pretty good deal, right? Yeah. Um, so that's like that's like a little tip that I would give to someone who's like if they're trying to grow their FBA business, and the, uh, the reason that kind of they're stuck is cash. Um, I think I'd just like yeah leave it open as an option. Great point. Great tip. All right, Greg, we're going to close off the podcast there. Do you want to inform the audience where they could get a hold of you at if they want to reach out? Absolutely. So um, if you have any questions about um, uh, FBA stuff, the best place is to probably leave comments on our blog. So on our blog, we probably have answered 90% of the questions you uh uh, can think of uh, if we have any if you leave it in the comments there i'm really good about going into the comments and answering these questions uh if you have a different uh like maybe more personal question for me or it's not amazon related feel, feel free to tweet me at mercer underscore greg um and i'm also good about uh responding to that so yeah i'm happy to help excellent greg thank you my man for coming on the show thanks for giving your ultimate wisdom out to the listeners we really appreciate it and thanks for being a friend And with that, listeners, we're going to sign off today and see you all next time. Thanks, Chris. Bye. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for established entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for those that are in the entrepreneur house, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year we have three different events, a three-day productivity weekend in different cities all around the world, a two-week all-inclusive retreat for entrepreneurs with six-figure businesses. This will be full of workshops, masterminds, and adventure. Then a four-week event in Chiang Mai, Thailand for established entrepreneurs, also full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. These events will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested in have some questions be sure to contact us through the entrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact we will respond as soon as possible for now saludos from somewhere in the world